Hey, this is Pastor Rob Miller from Reclamation Church. Just want to say thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We pray that this message is completely life-giving and life-changing and that you take the blessing of the Word of God with you everywhere you go this week and pour into somebody else around you. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Maya's going to pray over our message today and then we'll dive in really, really quick. Um, Do you want me to lead or you got it? You want me to lead? Okay. Y'all pray with us. Father, Father. move it on. Yeah, turn it on. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for today. I thank you. I thank you. That you've brought your people together. That you brought your people together. To hear your word. To hear your word. I pray that we would leave here. I pray that we would leave here. Doing your word. Doing your word. Touch daddy. Touch daddy. Calm his nerves. Calm his nerves. Open his mouth. Open his mouth. And let your word go forth. And let your word go forth. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you. Thank you. As I said, we are, we are closing out our Generations series today. And I've titled this, this is part four, I've titled this Releasing Warriors. Uh, one thing that we've, we've harped on and repeated over and over again the past few weeks is we're not just raising kids. We're raising leaders. We're raising teachers. We're raising uh, the next government officials. We're raising parents. Right? And so the way that we train and teach our kids today, let me back up a little bit. The way that we live our life today is setting the precedent on how they're going to live their life tomorrow. And so that's been the whole concept and the whole point of this message is living a life that passes Jesus, the message of Jesus from this generation to the next. Y'all with me today? This is exciting stuff. How many of y'all believe God can use your kids? How many of y'all believe God can use your kids to prophesy to the nations and and to be evangelists and and missionaries? And he can use your children to be miracle workers at their school. You're probably like, Pastor, Jesus was the miracle worker. Yes, but Jesus said you would do these and greater. Your kids is part of that and greater. Your kids are part of the you. You will do these things and greater. And so we believe here at Reclamation Church that our children, our next generation, are essential in taking the message of Jesus Christ to the next level. And we need to look at it that way, to the next level, multiplying the gift. Amen? So that's the whole concept, the whole premise of this whole entire series. And and week one, uh, we, we talked about building bridges. We talked about generational gaps. And we've got baby boomers. We've got Gen X. We've got millennials. We've got Gen Z. Now we've got alphas that we just dismissed to go upstairs. We have all of these different generations, and every generation is different. Can I get it? Amen, parents. Every generation is different. And so we have to be intentional on bridging those differences uh, to make sure the story, our life story, our legacy carries from this generation to the next generation, which took us into week two, where Adrian's grandfather came and preached a message on legacy and passing generational blessings, not just generational curses or not generational curses, generational blessings from generation to generation to generation, all because Jesus did a work in your life or your grandmother's life or your great-grandmother's life. 
And you can take those blessings and pass them on from that legacy of Jesus Christ in your lineage. Isn't that awesome? And then week three, we looked at arrows. This was last week. I had that bow and arrow up here, and, and I struggled because I was expecting that not to be so difficult, Mike. <laughs> we had the bow and arrow up there. Why? Because the Bible says in Psalm 127 that children are a gift from the Lord, and they are like arrows in a warrior's hand, in a warrior's quiver. And so we talked about releasing the arrows. We talked about how we need to shape our arrows. And I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into that today because we kind of closed on, on starting with that training and shaping of our arrows. And uh, you'll hear uh, here on my second point. I closed last week with my second point today. I did that on purpose. We talked about honor last week and how we should create a culture of honor in our homes. And, I, and I'll, I'll dive deeper into that in just a second. Um, but, but we have a responsibility as parents to shape our children. Because if we're not doing it, somebody's doing it. And I don't want just anybody shaping my arrows. Amen. Amen. So I want to encourage you. Uh, if you miss any of the last few weeks, go to our podcast, go to our YouTube channel, go back on the Facebook live feeds and, and watch the last few weeks and, and catch up with the series, share it, tell people about it, um, and, 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 and just know that God is wanting to do something great in your children's life. And you might be like, Pastor, I don't got any kids. <laughs> Daryl, let me back that up because I learned this week at a preaching conference that we have to use correct grammar. But I have a Harnett County education. So at least I said, I don't got any instead of I ain't got any. <laughs> Anyways, you might be like, pastor, I don't have any kids. Is that better? Did that connect? Any teachers, homeschool, homeschool teachers <laughs> cringing right now? You might be like, you might be like, pastor, I don't have any kids. That's okay. You're still, you're still involved in shaping the next generation. Uh, they, they are looking back to you. At least they should be looking back to you and, and learning something from you, just as you recall how your grandparents' generation was. There's some kind of recollection going on there. Matter of fact, if you, I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 20, I don't think I put it in there, Cliff, because I wasn't going to use it. He's looking for the slide. Deuteronomy 6, 20 says, when your son asks you in time coming, in time to come, saying this is in the future, what do the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments mean which the Lord our God commanded you? In other words, when your kids come up to you and say, God, Dad, what happened back then? Mom, you used to have struggles and problems with this. What happened? And that's when we say, well, that was Jesus. Yeah. That, that's where God changed some things. And, and so... Maybe it hasn't happened to you yet, but I think eventually your kids are going to come up and say, Mom, what about that time in your life? I know I ask my parents sometimes. My parents are the baby boomer generation. So I'll ask them, what about, tell me about the 60s, Dad. Right? Because I don't, I don't have any experience there. Dad, tell me about the 70s. Tell me about, tell me about what happened in 1979 when you got saved. Tell me your story. And he'll tell me how he was a drunkard and, and how he was an addict and a womanizer. And he joined the army and went in basic training. And, and, and well, in basic training, how many of y'all are in the military? We're in the military. You've been to basic training, boot camp, whatever you want to call it, right? I don't know about you, but I went through basic training and 
Chapel on Sunday morning was a great reprieve. So my dad was not a Christian growing up, but it was a great reprieve to be at chapel on Sunday mornings. You, you don't have to worry about details and cleaning things. You could, you could sit and get an escape for like an hour and a half to two hours. You don't have to have the drill sergeant yelling at you. You had God yelling at you. <laughs> and so he would tell us the story how he joined the army and in basic training in 1979, he knows the date. I don't know the date. And in 1979, he graduates high school. He goes to basic training, and he's, and he's sitting at the front of an altar surrounded by a bunch of other soldiers and trainees. And the chaplain gives the call, if you want to ask Jesus into your life today, into your heart today, would you stand up? And, and he tells the story. He says when he stood up, he could feel something like liquid just from the top of his head flowing over him. The grace of God, the blood of Jesus Christ. And so he communicates that story. How many of us? are communicating the story of Jesus in our life to our kids. That's, that's probably the best way to start, communicating the story of Jesus Christ in our own life. That's how we connect with our kids. And so Deuteronomy 6, 20 saying, you know, tell me about these times. And, and so God oftentimes will use the curiosity of our children to ignite a passion, a deeper passion for Jesus in our life. Matter of fact, if, you, if, if you're encouraging them to read the Bible, they're like, Dad, what does this mean? I, we're, we were driving down the road the other day listening to All Hail King Jesus. I don't know if you, Daryl, we heard this at the conference. I don't know if you've heard that song before by Upper Room or by Jeremy Riddle. If you haven't, it'll change your life. It, it's, Brandon, we got we to gotta introduce it here sometime, all hail King Jesus. And as I'm listening to it, I could just see the heavens opening and Jesus crowned in glory, riding on a white horse, coming to earth to establish it. I could see it all in this song, all hail King Jesus. And then they go to a bridge where they just sing holy. And I heard Abby in the backseat, she was singing along, holy, holy, singing along with it. And so I said, Abby, what do you see when, when, She had her eyes closed, and she was was just worshiping in the backseat. I said, Abby, what do you see during this song? What are you seeing right now? So I'm I'm telling you this because I want to encourage this in your home. Your kids can see things. Your kids can have dreams and visions. Your your sons and daughters can and will prophesy. So I'm asking, what what are you seeing right now? She's like, "I I don't know. She didn't really get it. So I said... Okay, well, let me tell you what I'm seeing. So as the song was playing, I'm telling her, I'm seeing Jesus and the clouds splitting and the mountains splitting. And here comes Jesus on a white horse and he's got a huge sword and and he's conquering and he's establishing his kingdom. And King Jesus is here and he's seated on his throne, which brings the imagery of Revelation chapter four. With elders surrounding the throne. And what do they say? Holy Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is. I'm I'm explaining this to her, what I'm seeing. And so I'm, I'm trying to get her there. I'm trying to show her these things. Holy, holy, holy. Huh? What? I know, I'm confused on where I was going. She didn't see anything. We're getting there. We're, we're, trying, to sh- we're trying to teach her. 
But that's what, okay, that's what I'm trying to encourage you to do at home. Pastors, just stick to your notes. That's what I'm, cry, I'm trying to encourage you to do, even, even your kids. But, but I can't explain that to her, and I can't encourage her to do those things if I don't know the word. If I, if I didn't know what happens in Revelation, I wouldn't be able to see that during the song. And I wouldn't be able to explain that to my kids. And so right here, Deuteronomy 6.20, Dad, what's that mean? That's where we're going. We're, we're talking about the book of Revelation. I don't get this. And so, so I tried to explain the throne, and on the throne is this jasper uh, stone in the form of Sardis, and there's a rainbow around the throne, and emerald lighting, and, and lightning, and thunder is coming from the throne. I'm trying to explain this. If y'all haven't read the book of imagery, or the, the book of imagery, the book of Revelation, you need to, because there's tons of imagery. Especially for your kids. I'm, I'm going to go home and encourage her, read it, and draw out what you're reading. Make, make reading interactive. Make the word interactive. And so I'm trying to explain all this to her. She's like, I don't, I don't, Jeff, I don't see it. So I told Adriel, I was like, Google Jasper Stone Sardis. Google it. So she Googled it and she shows, she shows her. She's like, yeah, I don't know. And the emerald lighting looks like the Aurora Borealis. And like, it looks beautiful. I don't, I don't see it. The throne, the stone, the Aurora Borealis, the rainbow. Do you not see any of this? We have to work on her imagination. Yeah, and Maya, she doesn't like storms. So she's like, there's lightning and thunder. I don't want this. <laughs> I don't. Right. And honestly, we just need to do a whole series on Revelation, the book of imagery. It's so good. But they will, God will often use the curiosity of your kids to make you dive deeper into things. Like me telling Adrian, look this up, look this up, look this up. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Be curious about the word of God because your kids are curious about all kinds of things. And the word of God needs to be at the top of their curiosity list. Amen. But our theme verse, stay on target. Our theme verse for this entire series is coming out of Psalm 145.4. And it's this, one generation shall praise your works, uh, praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. And declare, as Adrian was saying at the opening of service, declaring is not just telling, it's showing. Show what God has done in your generation. Show what God is doing right now. And, and that's the key thing that we learned last week. That is exactly who God is. He shows us. We look at G God sending Jesus from heaven, and, and we look at the book of Isaiah. Isaiah says that his name will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. He shows us. He doesn't just tell us. He walks alongside of us and gets us to the goal. He gets us to the point. He gets us to where we need to go to understand that this isn't it. We need God walking alongside of us. That's the Holy Spirit, the parakletos, the one who comes alongside and walks and does life with us. And we need to learn to show them because here's the thing. Your children are what they see, not what you say. They are what they see, not what you say. And they will live what you model. That's why I want it, that's why it was so important that they have our kids down here watching us 
learning worship. They can see dad or, or mom who's had just a rough week. And no matter what their week has been like, mom's praising Jesus. Dad is praising Jesus. That's how important this is to show our kids. And, and we, we used that illustration last week, the travel agent versus the tour guide. A travel agent will set up a trip and send you, but they don't really have any experience. But a tour guide, I'm bringing this up for a reason. A tour guide knows exactly where they're going because they've been there. And they are there. And so they can point things out based on experience. We, this past week, we were in Dallas for a, a, a preaching conference, a preaching seminar uh, at Gateway Church. And we got there Monday, like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We're like, now what do we do? Because nothing starts till Tuesday morning. And so we're like, hey, we're in Dallas. Let's go. Y'all, forgive me. Let's go to the Dallas Cowboy Stadium. Any other Cowboy fans in here? Yeah. I'm praying for you. <laughs> really? I'm praying for you. Daryl, Daryl was with us. He's a diehard Cowboys fan. So he was like, yes, let's absolutely, we'll go. And we had just the intent on going to the shop there and just shopping. So we get there and they're like, hey, we'll, we're doing VIP tour guides for 30 bucks. We're like, wow, that's not bad. Actually, they did a lot for 30 bucks. We saw like everything, everything. We even got 30, like 30 minutes on the field like just playing football. It was cool. It was awesome. And she pointed out the turf, where they store the turf. She pointed out the locker rooms. She pointed out more areas where they store the turf. She really loved the turf. I don't know why. <laughs> but, but she pointed out like the turf I don't, every five minutes. Hey, here's more turf. This is where they keep the turf. Like, Great. Is there anything else to see here? Guys, there's only turf at the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. <laughs> Not even a team. Ouch. <laughs> but the cool thing was she she walked this this went on for an hour two hours it was a really long tour and she walked with us every step of the way this is where jerry jones hangs his hat this is where the cowboys locker room is this is where the uh the, this is where they do the press conferences after the team comes up there to the podium and the news people are in here this is where they do it like we walk those steps and here's the thing i fell in love with the stadium, not the team, with the stadium. Like, that is an awesome stadium. Why? Because somebody took time out of the day to walk each step with us, no matter how much time we needed in a certain area, she was there. And she even, listen, she even over-communicated things that we necessarily didn't have any interest in. But now I can tell you all about some turf at the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. And that's what I want you to hear. Like, your kids may not be interested in Jesus. Your kids may not be interested in the church. They may not even be interested in God. But if we were to over-communicate who he is, it will turn into some kind of curiosity and some kind of passion. I love that stadium. They just need a different team. That could preach. But I'm not preaching on that today. 
So we need to learn to be tour guides with our kids, telling them, walking, and doing every step of life with them, whether they are interested or not, and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with them. Amen? Amen. And again, last week we looked at Psalm 127. We looked at the arrows. Children are a gift from the Lord. Let me say that. Children are a gift. They are not an inconvenience. They are not a burden. They are not a hassle. They are not a struggle. They are a gift. Your kids are a gift from the Lord. And one day, we are going to give an account for what we did with our gifts. Are we investing in our gifts? I'm reminded of the parable of the the ten talents and how one was given five and he multiplied it and increased. He invested it and it grew to ten. To one he gave two and he invested it and it grew to four. It doubled, but there was one who only received one and he hid it. He had nothing to do with it. He buried it. And what did, what did the master say? Depart from me, you wicked and evil man. I'm paraphrasing. Do you want to be known as wicked or do you want to invest in the gift? So we need to have that heart to invest and multiply in our children. We need to stop leasing our responsibility of shaping our arrows, meaning stop relying on the schools to raise our kids. Stop relying on the church to give them their devotional and discipleship. Discipleship starts at home. We, we begin teaching and raising our kids at home. And for those of you, you know, you haven't tried out our, our kids program here yet, or maybe this is your first, second, or third time, I want to encourage you here at Reclamation, we take discipleship seriously, and your kids, are not, they're not just getting babysat right now. It's not just childcare. It's discipleship. Even in the nursery, they get, they get Bible stories and things to color and activities to do. And our kids' volunteers can, can, can confirm that. But five hours on a Sunday, it's really, it's really two, Paul. <laughs> two hours on a Sunday equates to roughly... 50 to 100 hours a year. And and we get confused when our kids don't look like Jesus when they're getting over 900 hours of school a year. Or how about this? They're getting over 3,000 hours of screen time a year. I went there. We have to stop leasing out our responsibility of shaping our arrows. And so last week, I told you we're going to talk today about how we shape, how we train our arrows, how we shape our arrows, how do we train our warriors. So I just got three simple things I want to talk about today, just three. And again, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, I want to encourage all of us to get into the word. How do we train our kids? How do we get, how do we develop a passion in their life for the word of God and the presence of God, the spirit of God, all of this. This is just three tiny little tips. It's literally just the tip of the iceberg. And so the first one is this. Uh, how do we train up our warriors? Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So how do we make sure we are effectively investing and in training our next generation? I think the first and foremost is through immersion. And if you were here on our Mother's Day uh, message, I talked a little, about, a little bit about this immersion versus integration, right? 
Uh, integration is this idea. David, you might know, you, know, you probably remember this because I learned this at Northwood Temple at your daughter's baptism service. And she brought up how uh, there's integration and immersion. And, and f- for so many kids nowadays, we, we try to integrate Jesus into the schedule. I think we're all guilty of this. Well, we have sports practice at this time, or we have drama practice at this time. And pastor, we just can't make it on Wednesday night because we have volleyball practice, or we have all of these things that have loaded the schedule. And so we try to fit Jesus into the schedule rather than making the schedule around Jesus. Immersion versus integration. Pastor, what do you mean? Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 20, uh, chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to read 4 through 9, just five verses. It says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. Everything. Immersion. It starts with, this is, this is Moses speaking to the, the parents. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, he is one. You shall love the Lord with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. These words which I am commanding, this is God speaking, these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. And listen what he says next. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and daughters and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you wake up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We train and teach effectively through immersion so that everywhere they go, it's Jesus. First and foremost, above all else, the first thing that they see, the first thing that they hear, the first thing they experience is Jesus. Why is that important? Because if they're carrying Jesus with them, then the first thing that their friends hear from them is Jesus. We are are raising little missionaries to go into the schoolhouse. So the first thing that people experience from our kids is Jesus, is the Holy Spirit. We train them through immersion. I I want to read these stats to you today. The typical amount of time a working parent spends with their child is 30 minutes a day. On average, children watch over 1,500 hours of TV a year. They see 20,000 commercials a year. Over 3,000 hours of screen time between 8 and 12 years old. That's not including my teenagers. Between 8 and 12, eight and 12 years old, 3,000 hours, and they spend less than 100 years, 100 hours a year in one-on-one activity time with their parents. Less than 100 hours a year. I'm telling you this because our kids are immersed in everything else around them. And we need to be intentional on taking them out of that and immersing them in the presence of God so that when they get back into the school or get back into their workplace if they're working now, junior, or get back into their home, then they become that little droplet of grace, that little pocket of grace, that meeting place as we talked about. 
They're immersed in everything around them. They are being influenced by everything around them. And we need to be intentional on, in, in, on influencing them. And here's the thing. They will spend less than 50 hours a year in church. They are immersed in everyday life. How much more do we need to immerse them in Jesus? Let me give an example of immersion. My, where's my people that have been through Army basic training boot camp again? Raise your hands. Raise them, raise them high. Be proud. You're a veteran. Yeah. Right? You've been through basic training. What's the first thing that they do when you get to basic? Don't say yell at me. They cut your hair off. They strip you of your identity. They take your hair off. They take your clothes away. And they give you a uniform. And everyone looks uniform. Everyone looks the same. No matter where you came from, everyone looks the same. And, and you, go, you go through basic training and you got to march in formation as one, unified. And you get to the dining facility, the DFAC, the cafeteria. For those of you who don't know. And, and the chow hall, yeah. And, and this is what I remember. Maybe basic training was different for y'all. But I remember we had to do, uh, uh, we had to file in by columns into the DFAC. And, and, but before we could do that, we had to recite the warrior ethos, right? The army values, the soldier's creed. Every time we were to enter a classroom or enter the dining facility or enter any kind of, I don't know how y'all did it in the Air Force, but in the Army, this is how we did it. Everywhere we go, if we were to break formation, we first had to recite any one of these three. We were immersed in what it meant to be a soldier. And then you have Army Doctrine and and, and TRADOC and, and, and 670-1 and all these different publications that you have to learn in order to live correctly according to what the army is expecting of you. Right? And we are immersed in that. And they flood every sense. That's why they yell at you. Because you're not hearing them. Right, Jeff? <laughs> They, have to, they, they flood ever since. They immerse every sense, even your taste. And, and, I, and some of y'all military people are already laughing because food's got a different taste in the military. That coffee? I don't know. But they immerse everything, everything about it. And, and you adopt everything that you're immersed in into your life. And, and even to this day, some people were like, you, you used to be in the army? Yeah, how'd you know? You just walk differently. <laughs> so now I'm going to start walking like this. <laughs> well, I'm broke now. But it's, it's noticeable. And even if you're still in the Army and you're in civilian clothes, like, we can point them out. Yeah, they're, they're definitely in the Army. Like, we stick out like a sore thumb. And, and the Army tells us, you got to blend in. You trained me. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> stick out like a sore thumb. We, we, it's known. Who is in the military? You can point them out easily. It, think, of, think of it this way. It's like a missionary. For those of you who aren't in the military, I'm going to use a different kind of illustration, right? Think of a missionary. We, we used to know somebody, uh, Hannah Perez. You, you all, you all, some of y'all might know Hannah Perez. Hannah was uh, born and raised in Harnett County. Hallelujah. Didn't know a lick of anything but Harnett County. <laughs> Amen. 
didn't know a lick of anything but English. And uh, she really felt God calling her to go down to uh, Guatemala. She said, I just, I want to be, God is calling me to be a missionary. I got to go to Guatemala. Hannah, you don't know Spanish. I can learn it. So she left on a plane and flew down to Guatemala knowing not a lick of Spanish. And within a year, she was fluent. Because she was immersed in the culture. Immersion is the best way to learn anything. And even to this day, she has like her own translating kind of business. You give her an English document, she'll translate it to Spanish for you. Like immersion. She learned that through immersion. And I'm sure while she was there, some people came alongside of her and helped her in the process. But now she's married to Abdul, who's like, uh, Abdul, Abdias, wow, I've been looking at the news too much this week. <laughs> Y'all forgive me. She's married to Abdias, not Abdul. She's married to Abdias. <laughs> and she's got three kids, and, she's, and they're, they're mostly bilingual from what I, I know. She's working on it. But she speaks Spanish fluently. Because she took time and was intentional about being immersed in a culture and learning. And immersion is the best way that they are going to learn. But here's the thing. You need comprehensible input to learn. In other words, you need to understand what's being said. You can learn through immersion, but it's unlikely that you'll understand just through repeated words. And that's where our experience comes in with that. The blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony to help them understand, to help our children understand and immerse them. I love how this breaks down. Teach them diligently. Verse 7 says that. Another version says, impress them upon your children. Uh, you could you look at it this way. That word right there, teach them diligently, is uh, if, if you were, uh, if you knew anybody who um, worked with statues and work of arts like that, and uh, you had like this big piece of stone, there's a marble, any, any slate, granite, whatever. And, and you see the people with a chisel and a hammer, and they're, they're chiseling away. They're diligently impressing the words on the stone. What happens after they stop chiseling, it is permanently there. And, and that's the imagery that the, that the writer's trying to show you here. Teach them diligently to your kids. In other words, impress it upon them so that when they are old, they will not depart from it. It is, it is impressed upon them. And I can speak this as a prodigal son myself, as, as a person who loved Jesus, grew up in the church, and then left, and then came back. There was always something impressed upon me to come back home. I had my time of rebellion, but I came home because there was something permanently impressed upon me. So that, that's, what the, that's the imagery I need you to see here, to, to, to diligently impress and engrave and chisel away the word into your children's life. Don't ever underestimate the power of the word. But don't just speak it. They need to understand it. One thing I learned this week uh, at the preaching seminar is every time uh, Robert Morris, for example, uses a scripture, um, he, he will explain it, illustrate it, and then apply it. Give an, give an explanation, an illustration, and an application. Why? So that the church learns what the word is saying. And it's the same with our kids. Illustrate it. Help them apply it to their life. Give them an understanding. Immersion is one thing, but an understanding in that immersion is completely different. Yeah. Amen? Help them find the understanding in it. 
And then I like what it says, talk about them when you sit down, when you stand up, when you move, when you lay down, when you wake up, everywhere you go. Anytime you're moving, talk about Jesus Christ. I love my mom. And like every time she breathes in and breathes out, it's, thank you, Jesus. Every time. Praise the Lord. Every time she's sighing or exhaling or, or any kind of thing, anytime, anytime breath is coming out of her mouth that she's not formulating a sentence, it's, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Right? Always. Anytime you're moving, bring out Jesus in that movement. Anytime you're doing anything at home, always point to Jesus. Everything that we do should always point to Jesus. And then it says in verse 8, bind them as a sign on your hand, hand and forehead. Uh, you could look at that. There's these things called phylacteries um, that the priests would wear. It was something that they wore on their arm or their hand uh, and on their forehead. And there's these, these little boxes. I'm trying to help you understand what's going on here. There's these little boxes, and inside these boxes was scripture. And so they wore these on their hand and on their forehead. And any time, listen, any time they went to pray, they wore these phylacteries. They wore the word of God. Anytime they went to pray. And so this is saying right here, even bind them on your hand and on your forehead. So even in your prayer time, use the scripture. And let them hear the scripture in your prayer time. Bind them so that they're all, you are always covered in them. Write them on your doorpost, verse 9, and on your gates. Why? Because immersion includes coming in and going out. It's almost like a, a, a wall, a force field. I know when I get home, it's a safe place. And that's what we need to foster at our home. It's a safe place. Our kids should look forward to coming home. They should look forward to the peace of God in our home. On your going in and your coming out. They should feel home. Adrian, her, her parents, I mean, we, we have a key to your parents' house. We don't have a key, but we know where the key is. <laughs> and, and Adrian, the family, always welcome, no matter what. Welcome to the food in the fridge. Welcome to anything. Sleep on the couch, sleep on the bed, whatever. Always open. There's always an open invitation, and that's how our home needs to be. Always an open invitation for our children to experience the power of God and hear the word of God. Everything. And I just want to encourage you with this. We, we have a whole group dedicated to this. It's called, we're calling it the Family Series. Jeff and Brittany, they're leading it this year, uh, this semester. It's going to be great. So I want to encourage you, parents, if you need help and pointers in this and learning this, join that group. Join the Family Series group and learning how to apply Jesus to family life, to parenting, to raising children. So that's that little plug for that. Amen. <laughs> but you can't remove your children uh, going, going back to, to immersion, uh, again, they're immersed with everything around them. So it's hard to remove them from the world, right? We can't remove our children from the world, but we can immerse them in the word. We can, everything that we do, everything that we say can be word-focused, Jesus-focused. Especially with those of us who work and we need to put them in the public school system, we can't take them from that. We can't remove them from the immersion of the world, but we can immerse them in the love of Jesus Christ when they come home to our world. Amen. Amen. Come home to the kingdom here at the church. By the way, your home should be just a little pocket of the church. 
Matter of fact, your, your family, all of y'all are ministers. Some of you are like, oh no. You don't need a platform or a pulpit to be a minister. All of you parents, you are ministers. God has anointed and appointed you to lead your family, which is your first church. I had a pastor friend ask me once, because this is our first time actually officially pastoring. And he asked me, hey, Rob, how's your, how's your first church going? I was like, man, Reclamation's doing awesome. I, I laid it all out there. I put it all there. He was like, okay, cool. But how's your first church doing? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, your family. How is your family doing? Everything around you might be successful, but if your family is failing, you're failing. So how's your first church doing? Your home is a little tiny reflection of your church. It should be a little pocket of your church that you take home with you. It should be a little safe space. Amen? Is this helping people? But this is what I want you to see. There's this progression that happens uh, through 6 and 9. Verse 6 through 9, everything that we just read. It starts with keeping these commands. It's God telling the people, the parents, keep these commands. Write them upon your heart. Impress them upon your heart. Serve God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Everything that is within you. When you are immersed, you can't help but immerse everything else around you into the Word of God. It flows out of you from your heart. So there's this progression that I want you to see. From the, from the heart will flow the behavior. And so when our heart is immersed, then our behavior reflects the word. And our children are watching our behavior before they're listening to our words. So we need to make sure it's impressed upon our heart. Amen. It's not just about repeating scripture. It's about understanding scripture. So how do we do that? Uh, this is kind of a sub thing, you know, because we talk about immersion. So how do we make the Bible? How do we make the pray prayer life? How do we make worship? How do we make that attractive? I think first and foremost, we live it and make, make it a priority. First and foremost, hands down. The second thing is you, you make it interactive. The Bible, we talked about this last week. We, we make songs out of Bible verses so that they memorize it. You can do the same thing. Make songs out of Bible verses. Go, go back to what I said with the book of imagery, the book of Revelation, right? Read a verse. What do you see? Draw it out. Especially if you have artistic kids. People, the kids that love to see and draw with their hands and, and they make things all the time. And especially if you have artistic kids, go through and just have them draw something out. What, what do you see when you, read this, when you read this verse here? Let's draw it out. It makes the word come alive. Why? Because the word is alive. And they need to see that. It's more than just words on a page. It's living and active. And so we need to make the word fun, visual, make it interactive, right? Uh, our prayer life, make that interactive. And, and by making it interactive, you make it proactive. Uh, I'll say it like this. We were, we were looking at our weather app the other day. Our weather app has like, we can search anywhere in the world. We can, we can move it around to anywhere in the world and see what the weather's like. Well, they ask, what's the weather like for grandma and grandpa? They're down in Louisiana starting a, a church right now. So I scrolled over to Louisiana, to Leesville, Louisiana. We could see it on the map. We could see the weather. We could see everything going on. And then we scrolled back over to North Carolina. We scrolled over to Dallas because I knew I was going to be in Dallas. And we scrolled over to Colorado because we have friends and family in Colorado. We, we scrolled to all these different areas. What if we did that if, with our prayer life for our kids? We pulled out our Google map and we're like, hey, let's, let's, where do we live? And we pulled up our community. Hey, let's, let's pray over our community really quick. And they can see visually what they're praying for. 
you know what, Grandma and Grandpa, they live over in Louisiana. Let's, let's go over to Louisiana. Let's pray for them and their community. You know what, Washington, D.C. Let's scroll over to Washington, D.C. This is the capital. This is where our national leaders are. Let's pray over our national leaders really quick. And so now it's become fun and it's interactive. And it's also become proactive because now they are praying ahead rather than reacting in prayer. And I've, I've used that lots of times. We can either be proactive in our prayer life or we can be reactive in our prayer life. And our prayer life should always be proactive, praying ahead of things. Prayer should be our response, our proactive response, not a last-minute reaction. Amen? And then and teach them to prophesy. Teach them prayer life and, and, and to prophesy. One thing that we learned from one of our mentors was having our kids, our, our mentor has eight children. He's got a quiver. He's got two quiverfuls. He's got lots of arrows. And so one of the things that he, he, he encouraged us to do was, you know, when we create and foster this environment of honor, which I'm getting to in just a second, we talked about it last week, then we encourage our children to honor each other and even uplift each other. So at night or even in the morning, he encourages them, give me three things that you, that you see God doing in their life. Just prophesy over them. What's God going to do in their life? And so in the moments where they get, when they're butting heads, stop them. Give me three things that God's going to do in their life. And it changes the whole entire setting, the whole entire environment. Those are just ideas. Uh, what about worship? Show them, encourage them. Uh, just like with, with the, the worship moment in the backseat of the car with Abby. Encourage and foster those moments of worship. Just because, just because you go to church on Sunday doesn't mean you have to isolate your worship to Sunday. Your worship should be happening 24-7, always. And your kids need to see that. Foster those moments of worship and let them, and talk about that. Uh, help them to understand why we worship. Daddy, why were you raising your hands? I'm raising my hands because I'm in full surrender to God, for one. And, and this example that I'm not wanting to control and keeping my hands in things, but I want to give it all to God. Also, if you knew scripture and understood scripture, anytime Abraham would, and, and the people of Israel would raise their hand, it was a sign of covenant commitment. You know, when you raise your hand to join the army, raise your right hand. It's that sign of that covenant between God and man. Why do you raise your hand? Because I'm in covenant with God and I'm surrendering my entire life to God. Why do you clap your hands? Because the drummer needs a beat. Make it fun. Make it interactive, right? Show, tell them why we worship. It, and it, here's my thing. Why we worship is simply this. It's a reminder of the presentness of God. We call it the presence of God, the nowness of God. When I worship, I'm focusing on this moment here and now, the presence of God. I'm not worried about the cares and struggles and worries of tomorrow. I'm not worried about the pain and shame of my past. I am right here in the nowness of who God is. This is where he wants me. He's got my tomorrow. He's taking care of my yesterday. This is where I need to be right here and right now. This is why we worship the nowness of who God is. Amen. Last, uh, the second thing is submission. We need to train our kids through submission. And, and we talked about this last week, honor, creating that culture of honor. And when we live our life, it completely immersed in the word, completely immersed in prayer, completely immersed in 
worship, then we remind ourselves of our posture to God. That's in submission to God. We're not elevating ourselves above God. So when we, when we are lacking prayer, when we're lacking reading, when we're lacking worship, we tend to forget our position, our posture. Does that make sense? And, and we, tend, we tend to start raising ourselves up, but submission, living in worship and in the word completely immersed reminds us of our position. Not that it's a bad thing. Look at, look at Jesus. Jesus came down from heaven to serve, to be a servant, to serve those around him. Not to exalt himself, but to serve those around him. And we exalt him for that. We lift him up. We glorify him for that. We honor him for that. Look at verse 10 through 15 of Deuteronomy 6. Then it shall come about, come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you the great and splendid cities which you did not build, a house full of all good things which you did not fill, and hewn cisterns which you did not dig. Y'all hear where this is going. And vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and 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 you eat and are satisfied, then watch that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land. In other words, this is God's doing, not your doing. You did not do this. It was God. And if we live in submission to who God is, then we remember that all things come from God. And God works all things together for our good. We're living, living in submission. I love what this says. You shall fear only the Lord your God. There, there's a synonymous word there, fear and honor. You shall honor the Lord your God. And we, we close with this last week, this idea of honor, this culture of honor. It's synonymous, meaning reverence. You shall revere the Lord your God. Honor does the same thing, revering others, considering others. Another way you could look at it is crowning. Fear God, give him the glory, give him the crown. And so when we honor others, this is biblical, I'm going to break this down in a second. When we honor others, we are crowning them and not ourselves. We are adding value to their life. Edifying them, building them up, encouraging them. Honor people. Honor puts us in a place of servanthood. Teach our children honor. And the best way that you can teach your children honor is to live honorably. And to give honor to those around you. I said this last week, the less honor you have, the more rules you have. And I think around us, we can see this playing out in society. We need a rule for this. We need a mandate for this. We need to do this. We need to do that. We, we need to show honor. We just need to adopt a culture of honor. And it starts at home. And that's something Adrian and I have been working with, with our kids. Are, are you showing honor right now with how you're treating your sister? Are you showing honor to your mom right now? Are you showing honor to your friends at church with the way that you're treating them? Start it at home. Start it at home. There's over 230 passages of scripture that talk specifically about honor. That's a lot. And, and, and they talk about honor God, honor people, honor your father and your mother, honor your elders and clothe yourselves in humility. Your elders are worthy of double honor. And honor those, listen, honor those in position of authority. Honor. What does honor look like? I did a little passage scripture search thing. Daryl and Tim know what I'm talking about with this. 
there's this new software that we have that's pretty cool. It's a cheat sheet. Is there, is there a, a blanket in there or a cover in there? One, perfect, that's all I need. Uh, how many of y'all know the story of Noah? Everybody knows Noah's Ark. What happens after Noah's Ark? Noah plants a vineyard, and he gets drunk. Yeah, that story, that one. And uh, he gets a little comfortable outside of his clothes. We'll just say that. And he has three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And uh, is it Ham? Ham comes in and sees his dad in his glory. (laughs) But in the privacy of his home, of his tent. And what does Ham do? Ham leaves and says, bro, you got to see dad right now. He is all laid out like it's not pretty. So Ham goes to Shem and Japheth, and he's, he's, just, he's just ragging on his dad. And what does Shem and Japheth do? They put a stop to it first and foremost. And then Junior, come here. And they take a garment. Take the garment. No, come over here this way. Right? And they, they, they walk backwards so as to not see their dad. And they walk backwards, and then they cover their dad. And then they walk out, and they say nothing about it. They showed honor to Noah. You know what happens after that? Noah comes to, long story short. And he, and he knows what happens. And he says, cursed is Ham. He will be a servant of servants, but blessed be Shem and Japheth. Pastor, what what are you trying to say in all this? Honor is a covering. To show honor is to cover. To shame is to expose. And so like Shem and Japheth, we we need to have that culture of honor, of covering people. So when we don't agree with them, we don't publicly shame them, but we cover them in prayer. That's what that looks like. And there's there's a blessing in that. There's a blessing. Let, Let me read what it says. Noah gets drunk, he gets naked. Ham, the father of Canaan. Does that sound familiar? Because the children of Israel go into the land of Canaan and they subjugate all of the people of Canaan. You remember? They conquer the people of Canaan, right? So, so Ham, the father of Canaan, sees him and he talks gossip to his brother, but Shem and Japheth cover him and they honor their father. And, and Noah curses him and says, you will be a servant of servants, but blesses Shem and Japheth and says to them, let God enlarge them. See, Ham had this, this culture of shame and ended up cursed to be a servant of servants. That's the lowest of lows. He tried to elevate himself that's all shaming does is, is Junior, come here. There, there's, these two, there's these two concepts that we see throughout the Old Testament, right? I need you to take a knee. Right? This is what shame looks like. 
Shame is I need to push you down so that I could get a leg up. I am elevating myself. I'm sorry, you hurt? You okay? I am elevating myself and I'm putting him under me. But honor does this. Let me give you a leg up, bro. Come on. Yeah. Use me. Go ahead. Get up there. Get over the wall. Get up, get up there. Get up there. This is, this is honor. This, this, is, this is what Jesus does. Look, we see Jesus do this. Jesus comes down from heaven and he takes a knee and he washes the disciples' feet. He becomes a servant of servants. And he is held honorably and exalted. You see what I'm saying? Do you see this? And, and so when we see this all the time, we just want to get a leg up over people. If we, can, if we just want to shame them and publicly shame them, we see this everywhere. They don't agree with me, I'm just going to shame them. I'm going to cancel them. Uh-oh. I'm going to put them under my feet. But honor helps them get a leg up. Get over the problems. I'm here to help you. Let me cover you in prayer. Let me cover you with honor. Let me consider you better than me. That's what honor does. Thank you, Junior. He's like my go-to illustrator. He sits on the front row. That's why nobody sits on the front row. But give honor, you will receive honor. Give shame, you will receive shame. We see that right there with him. Sham and Japheth. We, we see this, we see this the, the principle of reciprocity. Pastor, that's a big word. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. See, the world tries to put a spin on it. It's just karma. No, you reaped what you sowed. You sow honor, you will reap honor. You sow shame, you will reap shame. Give shame, you'll receive shame. Give honor, you will receive honor. And the Bible even says you will see that pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Whatever you give, you will receive. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's why Ham became a servant of servants. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. And Japheth enlarged. Amen? Teach our kids honor. To see through the lens of Christ, the character of Jesus Christ, to live in humility. And I'll close with this last one. The band can go ahead and come up. We train and teach through immersion. We train and teach in submission. We respond in prayer. We respond by covering, not exposing and shaming, right? And the last one is this. We teach our children to chase vision. Immersion, submission, vision. When we are living in submission to God, the will of God, the voice of God, the vision of God is revealed. We begin to see it clearly. Living in submission to the will of God and his vision for their life. And, and this is what I want you to see. Proverbs 29, 18 says this, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. The people are undisciplined. When's the last time you sat down with your kids and said, let's talk about a vision for your life? And, and this is what I want you to see. That word right there, people who lack vision, that's divine revelation. People who lack a divine revelation. When's the last time you sat down with your kids and said, what is God's vision 
for your life. And that's big because how many of us have our vision for our kids' life? How many of us have plans that we want our kids to do? How many of us have plans and visions that we expect our children to live out and when they don't follow our vision, we get so nasty and mean? Our homes, we are to create and foster an environment where divine revelation exists. And we encourage them to chase God vision. Not mama vision, not daddy vision. God vision. Now we help them along the way. We encourage them. We, 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 we kind of present the parameters. You know what the parameters are? The law. You know what the law is? The word of God. Baby, I hear you, but that doesn't line up with the word of God. I hear you, but that doesn't line up with what God says here. I know that's what you want to do, but is that going to glorify God? Or is that going to glorify you? That's the, that's the mentality that we need to have at home. Glorifying God in all that we do and encouraging our kids to chase after that as well. Would you stand with me today? Hey, thanks again for tuning in to this week's message from Reclamation Church. We pray it was a blessing to you. We want to encourage you to take this message everywhere, everywhere with you and pour into those around you. And if you would love to be a blessing to the Reclamation Church ministry, you can easily give at our website at reclamationchurch.faith. Scroll down to the bottom and click on online giving. Or you can even text to give any dollar amount to 84321 and set up a giving account with Reclamation Church. Again, we pray that this was a blessing. Be a blessing to those around you this week. And may God bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you with the light of his countenance and, be, uh, and give you peace this week. Amen. Be blessed.